What is up, good people? Welcome into a Monday edition of Texas All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. We got Giants and Seahawks coming up for you at 7 o'clock right here on Sports Radio 610. I'm your host for this evening's proceedings, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. Fresh off a good hour, a good half hour, I guess, with Coach Ryan's. Was fun to talk to him. Always fun to talk, win, lose, no matter what. But after two wins in a row, it's great to catch up with the head coach. Now, it's time to catch up with some of our luminaries. And one of our favorites is Andre Ware. Now, for those of you that weren't listening yesterday, let me set the scene for how this thing starts. Yesterday, Mark has to go down to be the Ring of Honor Master of Ceremonies. So, to get down to the field, he has to go with the coach's elevator. They hold the elevator over on the uh, on the west side for the coaches at a certain point. If you've been over there, you know you hear the, the uh, ushers and everybody, coaches, coaches, they let them know. So, Mark's got to get on that uh, particular elevator. But there was also about 45 seconds left and a half. So, at this point, Andre had to take over as play-by-play man and he did awesome so that's how we rejoin with andre making this call of a nico collins catch cj back to pass over the middle nico collins to the 40 45 50 collins to the 40 35 yard line big play by nico collins 29 seconds left in the quarter trying to get to the line of scrimmage to spike the ball that's executed with about 21 seconds. So the Man. Texans put themselves in a position to at least add a field goal to their 13-point lead. 42-yard throw and catch from C.J. Stroud to Nico Collins. I've created a monster. That was good. Oh, my gosh. Andre <laughs> Ware good. late in the half calling the action as I'm heading down the elevator to go MC the J.J. Watt Ring of Honor ceremony. Dre, great job with the call. I am so happy that the door was not locked when I went back up to the broadcast booth. Really appreciate that. And uh, nice play-by-play chops, my friend. Good job. <laughs> Thanks, man. That was a lot of fun. Uh, that's that's one that uh, we'll we'll put in the vault and, and seal it away. But uh, and then go back to our normal our normal daily job. But that was a lot of fun. It was fun for me. Fun for Johnny. We were trying to figure out how to lock the door. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping that somebody was going to print out a picture of Wally Pip and put it on the doors that was locked and go, you know who this is? Yeah, and people need to know the Wally Pip that. story. Yeah, well, you think kids need to know the Wally Pip story? Yeah, but it's got to be updated. Yes. I mean, yes. uh, uh, us generational, you know, like uh, us uh, seasoned veterans. How about Drew Bledsoe? How about Drew Bledsoe's kind of oh, yeah. like. Drew I mean, Bledsoe's kind of the yeah. modern day. Yeah, yeah, he, he would good play one. in Buffalo. He'd play in Dallas. His career would continue, but it was yeah. never the same after Tom Brady replaced him because Bledsoe got hurt. They recognized him yesterday in Buffalo. He was like, they, I don't know, whatever they do. They you know, like he banged a drum or, you know, but I don't it, know, whatever. It became, a, it, it became a term with Wally Pip because you, yeah. you know, it, it, uh, you, you would say Drew, Bled, Drew Bledsoe got Wally Pipped. You know, that yeah, kind exactly. of deal. So exactly. he, it, it became a saying with, with Wally Pip where it stuck. And everybody knows. Z knows the Wally Pip story. It's a baseball game. You're a good dad. You're a good dad. Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, you, you've got to teach your kids those lessons. Dre, of everything that went on yesterday, everything that went on outside of you doing a brilliant job with play-by-play, <laughs> 
<laughs> what was the one thing when you're driving home or you're thinking about the game that you kept coming back to about yesterday's win? I think it's the play of C.J. Stroud for me. I don't know if that's because of what it was actually that or it's just we have something in common having played the position. But the anticipation, there were some throws yesterday that I was just – I had to come out of my seat. Like there was a play fake or a fake toss and he comes backside. The arm angle was that uh, reminiscent of, of uh, Patrick Mahomes and it was just kind of a flick that I didn't know he had in his arsenal. And so uh, when he made that throw on a slant and then he came back later and won over the middle to uh, Bre- I think it was Brevin Jordan. Oh my goodness, he had just cleared the linebacker. No, it was it was uh, Nico. Schultz. And was Schultz. Oh yeah, yeah, well, yeah. You might have been right. It was one of those two. It was a couple of great throws, but I think it was Schultz as the one where he just cleared the linebacker and the ball was in the air. I mean, he wasn't a half a step. And that's next level quarterbacking that you can't, you know, it takes years to learn the art of anticipation. And so he he has picked it up quickly. That tells me that he is totally in tune with what they're doing offensively. And it's not an easy uh, offense to learn and master and execute. And he seems to be doing it uh, at, at a very easy clip. Dre, in the offseason, we talked about some of the veterans they added, and we talk about the rookies all the time, but I find it interesting that they halfback option pass from Singletary to Schultz. Those are two free agents they picked up, and these guys are connecting on a really meaningful touchdown, and I just thought the whole thing showed how well everything's coming together so far with the rookies and the vets they added, these offseason acquisitions. Yeah, it, it just shows you that everybody's kind of blending together. If you, as a player, if you like who you're playing for, you're going to get the type of efforts that you got yesterday with all, you know, all the players subtracted from injuries and, and out and inactive and this, that, and yet they show up and compete. And I think that's a, that's a direct reflection on, on the coaching staff and on D'Amico Ryans as he's put this, this staff together. Those guys want to play for him. Uh, they feel him. They relate to him. All of what it takes to be uh, a, a top-class uh, organization. And I think that's the way it's headed. Uh, that's the way it's headed under his leadership. And I think you're starting to see it through the play of guys that are new, the newer guys to the building, along with himself. So I know a lot of people listen to our broadcast, but a lot of times they don't maybe get the beginning. They start right to – so they don't hear our pregame. And during the preseason in particular, first game of the season – and Mark, you would ask Dre, Dre, who's your power player of the game? Mm-hmm. And Dre would think for a second, he'd go, Nico Collins. And I kept thinking, all right, well, one of these days, you know, Dre's going to, he's going to nail it. And it feels like, Dre, you, you won't say Nico Collins anymore because you used it early. But Nico Collins is rising to be the power player seemingly every single time he's out on the field. His growth along with C.J. Stroud, I know it kind of, they're, they're kind of the same. One goes up, the other's going to go up. But what have you seen in Nico that's taken him to a different level? Uh, one, he's healthy. And uh, I think he'll be the first to tell you that when you're healthy, obviously you can do your job. The physical traits are there. I think he has finally met an offense that matches his skill set, uh, and, and he's having fun. And that, that all those things I just mentioned – lead to the kind of day that he had yesterday. He's, he's fastly becoming this team's number one receiver where uh, you're, you're not all of a sudden in the past, you wouldn't look for him, but now you are. Uh, you, you expect him to make certain plays. Nico's gone 
two or three pass plays without a ball going his direction. Let's let's get him something now because that's what he's earned. He's earned the 11, 12 targets that I've talked about or I've talked about in the past. And yeah, you're right. I could pick him every week. Uh, he might be my favorite player on this team just because of, you know, him being a receiver. You can throw it in, around, in and around him and not to him, and he's going to make plays where in the past, you know, it may, he may catch it, he may not. He is a reliable target, versatile. They can use him inside, outside. Uh, he is he's becoming this team's number one receiver. Dre, you were quick to point out on the broadcast that uh, rumors of Damian Pierce's demise were greatly exaggerated, that this guy is still bringing it. I mean, it's year two, my goodness, and we had played three yeah. games so far, and here he is putting up 81 yards. I know the average wasn't voluminous, but he showed that he's got it, and as you piece this line together with more health and more development with the coaching staff and everything, he's going to put up some big numbers. Yeah, I mean, you're you're trying to grade a guy with four offensive linemen out. And you're grading it with guys that just got to town uh, that are learning the offense on the fly. Guys are having to tell them what to do in the huddle. Uh, and so you went, that's a direct reflection on him because he needs those guys to do his job. I don't know of one running back ever in the history of the game that didn't need the offensive line in front of him and he was just that good. Maybe Jim Brown. I, I don't know. I, I don't know of one. But uh, I thought it was a little unfair, and, uh, you know, he's still the same player. They had to figure out as well, and we talked about this a little bit, how to best utilize him. Is he a zone runner? Is he a downhill runner? He's more of a downhill runner. So you get him going that way, and they've been able to do that. Uh, I was watching San Francisco's game last night, and that little downhill pitch, I saw mm -hmm. McCaffrey run. I'm like, okay, that's, that's exactly where that came from. And, you know, you start uh, – sinking the pieces together you see some of what san francisco does. well all that takes a little bit of time because you don't have the exact type or same players and they figured out how to how to best utilize damian pearson you saw it yesterday okay you guys sitting down for this one yeah if the season were to end today oh i like that you like okay. that yeah four games in with 13 to go go ahead if the season were to end today the texans <laughs> would be in the playoffs oh really yeah can and we, we would play. Let's go. We we <laughs> would play a wild. We would play a wild card game against the Baltimore Ravens if the season ended today. Oh, I'd, like so, I'd like Dre, that. I'd like that. I'm going to ask. Yeah, exactly. A second shot. You you wouldn't be fearful of going in there because you've seen them already and you know what you can do. Dre, ask this of of John. I'm going to ask you about this because you've been in locker rooms. Confidence rises and falls, and it feels like right now confidence is really high. How do you think the expectations change from what the coaches expect now that they've seen this team play like this? The players expect going forward because they're playing like this. How do you think expectations sort of change? And the fans, too. The fans look at it and go, hey, man, we got a shot. And then, of course, I just said we we're going to make the playoffs. The season ended today, so <laughs> I guess I did it, too. But how do you kind of react with the expectations are changing of this team now? Yeah, the, the expectations change because you've done it. And so now you're expecting to continue to do it. Even uh, we, you have to live in a reality. Coaches, players, everybody in that building has to live in reality. Fans get to live in the fantasy world of, hey, when, when they get the offensive line back, when Laramie Tunsil decides to line up at left tackle, when you get this player or that player back on the defense. Uh, but in reality, D'Amico Ryan's, his reality is, I've got to go to battle with a guy that just got to town yesterday uh, at left tackle or a guy that just got here last week 
at left guard. And, and that's the reality of it. And so when you go out and you can win and you can do it, you have a system in place that puts you in a position from week to week to win, then, yeah, maybe the expectations travel, uh, uh, change a little bit because now we've done it with this group that we didn't think or many didn't think we could do it with. So once you do it, okay, we've won with you guys up front. I expect to do the same exact thing next week. So they don't change uh, so much that they go, you, you know, the overall structure or we got to do this or this differently. No, we've done it. Now we expect to win from week to week with the same guys. And if those other guys come back, we get better for, for, uh, for, for having played these guys. And now we have some depth. We've built depth. So uh, it, uh, it's, it, it, the expectations are that they've done it and we're expecting to do it again. That, that's the only way. That, there is no change, so to speak. It's, it's, you know, we've tasted two weeks' worth of winning uh, is what we expect to do going forward. Man, I got to think the fact that D'Amico Ryans played so recently and had lived through seasons like next yeah. man up in 2011 here yeah. and last year when he went through as a coach with the 49ers, it was on the other side of the ball with the quarterback situation. He's thinking, just go out and play football, yeah. all right? I don't care who you are. Buckle up. Let's go. And I get that feeling from him, and that's confidence-inspiring, if you will. Dre, what about stopping the run? Najee Harris has 55 yards mm. in the second half. Uh, but the Texans were really good on third down, and they made the big plays when they had to. Now you face Bijan Robinson, who, despite the Falcons' loss to the Jags in London yesterday, had another big productive day. He's a top-five rusher in this league right now. He's scary and probably the scariest thing they have on offense. Yeah, he's he's one of the best right now, and you're going to see a big, big clip of him because until you prove you can do it week after week after week, people are going to keep trying you. And then, though, you know, they held Najee in check. There were some moments in the second half that uh, that he cut loose. I would say the majority of his yardage came at that yes, point in the second 55. half. And so you got a young, yeah, you got a younger back that doesn't know any better. He's going to run hard every down. He's not trying to save himself. Um, <laughs> yeah, that that's a tall order. And so uh, that that's the first order of business when you get to Atlanta or you, when you're game planning this week. It's to slow him down, not maybe stop him, but to slow him down, keep him in check. And I would take, I'd give him 55 yards right now and and, and uh, mm -hmm. seal the game up, so to speak. But uh, I got a feeling he's, they're going to run him a little bit more than they did Najee Harris because he is their top weapon. And so uh, the, guy, the kid can get it done. There's no doubt about it. So you're, you're going to have to make sure that, that that's isolated and taken care of. Okay, I'm going to give both y'all 100 Monopoly dollars. <laughs> and you can go to Andy's room where they've also got a Monopoly set up in Andy's room where there's a Toy Story game going on and then your Monopoly dollars Ooh. and you walk in there, but you can't pick the undefeated teams, the Niners or the Eagles. Mm. But you have to put your 100 Monopoly dollars down right now on the team that you think will win the Super Bowl, but you don't get the Niners or the Eagles. Mm -hmm. But you got to put it on a one team. 100 Monopoly dollars. Where are they going? What team is it? No Niners, no Eagles. Who is it? You want me to go first, Trey? All right, Mark, go ahead. You can go Buffalo. ahead. Buffalo. 
I mean, right now, Buffalo's hot. Yeah. Look, they lost the opener to the Jets mm-hmm. on a weird night. Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. They're the ones that knocked Aaron Rodgers out for the season. Yeah. And then the Jets defense buckles down. Buffalo's not ready for the regular season, primetime, whatever, yet. Since then, they've been dominant. They've been dominant, and they just crushed a team that put up 70 the week before. Yeah. And you know the Dolphins knew that there was a danger of getting fat and happy. Didn't matter. Go to Western New York, get crushed. Buffalo's hot. Now it's early, but if I had to do that, I would pick Buffalo. Trey? Didn't Buffalo just lose last week? They no, won they this lost week, the open. last week they lost. I, I think they put up uh, – no, no, I think they, they put up three in a row since losing on opening day. Yeah, they hammered the Commanders. Right. They beat the Commanders 37-3. Yeah, they put up – since they lost opening day, they put up 38-37 and 48, and they've held opponents to 10-3, and the Dolphins got 20 on them. They are on yeah, fire they're, right now. They're, they're on fire, but until you beat the Chiefs, until you beat the champs, uh, I got to yeah. go with the champs. And so, sure. you know, I, yeah, they, they don't have their fastball. Yeah, but they're still good enough. They still have Patrick Mahomes. It's still – they know how to handle playoff runs and – preparations for Super Bowls and playoff games. And so when you start getting into the nitty-gritty of it, I'm going to go my safe Monopoly $100 going on the Chiefs just because, you know, who they are until you beat them. uh, They're the champs, and so I got to ride with them. There's some funny tweets about last night's game with the Jets. (laughs) One of them is – there's I can't remember what the the gif is, but it's like a face palm, and it's – it's NFL fans having to tell the Swifties that Zach Wilson is not better than Patrick Mahomes. Oh, yeah. Because that's the only game that they've probably watched. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wilson <laughs> looked funny. pretty good for a while last He did. Night. He did look very well. He did look good. Uh, Dre, Texas Bowl is December 27th, Big 12 versus SEC. So let's get into some college stuff here. It's a big weekend. You've got the Red River, formerly known as the Shootout, going on. Ooh. Yeah, what do you think of that one as Texas looks pretty good here and you've got the Aggies playing Alabama in Aggieland. Ooh. Yeah, that that's that's going to be uh that both games are going to be good football games. I, I I don't know what to make of that Alabama A&M game. Um I think Milrow is the answer for for Alabama at quarterback and they should have never taken him out of the lineup. Uh, and they'd be further, much further down the road had they just played him against South Florida. You have put two guys in that uh, against a weaker opponent just to make them look good or give them some confidence, and then you end up having to go right back to him. Anyway, but the, the other game with, of the undefeateds with Oklahoma and Texas, I don't know when the last time that's happened when both teams were undefeated and, and uh, had this much hype coming into the game. Uh, Oklahoma's starting to play a little bit better on defense. Uh, they're getting enough, obviously, on the offensive side, but have they been tested? Texas has been. So I don't know if Oklahoma's been tested. Texas has gone on the road and passed the test. That's going to be a tough, tough game to call. Dre, I'm on record as saying this: your Heisman vote this year might be as difficult as it's been for a while. And we know that your position, quarterback, gets a lot of run, but Dre, this might be the best year I've ever seen of college quarterbacks. Now, some of it's going to even out a little bit, but when you just rifle through the names and what they've done to start Caleb Williams, Drake May, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, all across the country, I think your Heisman vote might be as difficult this year as any because quarterbacks are playing at seemingly an unprecedented rate. In the games that you've seen, you haven't got a lot of points, but just watching college football, you agree with me that this is going to be a tough year to kind of figure out as the year goes on who's going to end up winning the Heisman because the quarterbacks have been so good? It always seems tough, Johnny, but yeah, you're right. This year's 
this year's tough because you got guys out west playing uh, some outstanding football Penix, and you mentioned Caleb Williams. Uh, I, I'm under the opinion that uh, I don't know that anybody's going to win it twice other than Archie Griffin. So <laughs> I just I don't know. He, he I don't know how you can deny it. Penix is playing out of his mind. Guys, it is sprinkled. I, I'd love to have seen Travis Hunter go the entire season uh, healthy mm. just to see what he would have done to throw yeah. his name into that mix. Shador Sanders, is they had, they've lost the last two weeks, but not because of his play. He's been outstanding. Yep. Four touchdown passes and over, I think, 400 yards again this week against USC. So it's difficult. Uh, it always seems, though, early in the season, there's always a bunch of names. And then as you get to midseason and about the three-quarter mark, uh, it starts to thin itself out a little bit. And guys start to separate in their play. Trey, back to the Texans here for a moment. C.J. Stroud, what he's doing right now, and mm. then you look at the other rookies. Richardson had a pretty good game against the Rams yesterday. Bryce Young, not so hot for the Panthers. But so much of it is the situation. And it looks like Stroud not only being great personally, but the fit here. We always talk about this. It's so important for these young guys to get into the right situation. And maybe Wilson, too, for that matter. Zach Wilson, I'm talking about, with the Jets. I mean, there's a lot of talent there, and maybe he doesn't have it, but he does have talent. And when, when I say doesn't have it, I mean the big it. But there's a lot of talent there. Maybe it just needs to be developed. Thoughts? Yeah, I think Zach's he's headed in the right direction. I just don't know if there's going to be time because there's so much negativity surrounding him uh, in New York. Uh, with with CJ, I mean, you guys remember back? Was it his first pass against New England that was an interception? Well, one of them. I think it was like or it was early. It was like his second or third. Yeah, it was early. Yeah, yeah, it was early. I mean, that seems like it's way in the rearview mirror now oh, because yeah. when he threw that one, it was like, oh boy, we got to go through this. And D'Amico's right; he doesn't make the same mistake twice because we haven't seen anything even remotely close to that pass is the point I'm trying to make. Yesterday, early in the game, he's escaping, rolling to his left, throws the ball away, out of bounds. It's, he keeps it out of harm's way. He's protecting the football along with uh, the advanced stage in which he's playing and anticipating receivers coming open, getting the ball out on time and early. So who would you rather have? I mean, I give you, give you your choice of guys, but there are a lot of quarterbacks in this league that I'm taking C.J. Stroud over, including, including the guy we traded out of here right now. And I'm talking right now. I'm not talking mm -hmm. about what somebody used to be, or I'm talking as they're playing right this minute, I'm taking C.J. Stroud. I don't think there's any doubt. Based on, it's a small sample size. It's only four games. But based on that, I don't think anybody would take the other guy over C.J. Stroud. He's younger. Yeah. The, look at the head he has on his shoulders. He turns 22 tomorrow. So maybe this is a better way he to look hasn't at it. Missed, he hasn't missed two years of football, and he's right. trying to put it back together. I mean, that, that mm -hmm. all that matters. And so right now, as they play right this minute, I'm taking Stroud. How many quarterbacks in the league, for both of you, would you absolutely go, no, no, I got to have that guy over my guy? Well, Mahomes would be one, maybe. Right. But, but I don't even want to say to that. Beyond that? Because now I feel like we're all family here. I know. And D'Amico's got me feeling that way. CJ has me feeling that way. I don't want to pick between our kids. I'm, I'm riding with CJ. But if you're honest, 
You know there are kids well, better than your kids. No, I'm there's just a favorite I'm kid. You got a favorite kid at times. You know, this is one of those one of those times you got to choose. I mean, you just went on a limb to say Buffalo, so you got to think Josh Allen. If yeah, if uh, uh, if you're picking I, Buffalo yeah. to win the Super Bowl. I know, but but that doesn't no. My no, point in all no. that is my point in all that is you're not saying a whole heck of a lot of names now. No, are yeah. you kidding? This guy's he's on closed fire. the gap in a very pick. in a short period of time. He has closed the gap on a lot of like. And I'm not ready to put the cart before the horse and all that. Right, I right, know right. to pump the brakes because mm-hmm. there's some struggles that are coming. There's there's a game and there's usually two of them where you don't re- you don't re- you don't recognize this team that we saw yesterday. That game is coming. Just know it. It's on the schedule somewhere. Sometimes it shows up when you least expect it. Sometimes it shows up when you expect it against a certain opponent. And, you know, that game just works out how you think it. But until it shows up, I'm I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to enjoy the hell out of it. And it's been two weeks of this, and you feel pretty good about the direction this is going. Do you feel good about being, at the very least, uber competitive in the next four games which are all against the nfc south atlanta let's go new orleans at home carolina on the road tampa bay at home nfc south tour starting up with the bye week sandwiched in between those two you can't you can't convince me that they can't go and compete and win every one of those games everyone including the saints the way i thought about the saints coming out of the preseason i don't know it shifted a little bit they're not playing like uh, the mm. team I thought they were going to be. Uh, and that's where leadership is so important. You can have a ton of talent. If you lead them the wrong way, you don't get the, you don't maximize the talent. You can have uh, less than talent. You ma- if you lead it right, you, you maximize it, and it plays better than what you actually, what you really are. And I think that's the case with the Saints right now. Tremendous stuff with our game analyst, great friend, Andre Ware, and, uh, well, fill in play-by-play guy when you need it. Boy, he was fantastic. I mean, the Texans threw twice to Nico Collins, got a field goal position. Now, they did it the week before, too, and scored in the last play of the half as well with Mark. So, uh, Mark's not getting Wally pipped just yet, my guys. Uh, Andre Ware, Mark Vandermeer, and myself, John Harris. All right, we get back. We're going to talk to our buddy, Andy Kalu about everything that went on and what he saw in particular down at the line of scrimmage. How big was that? The Texans taking over that game yesterday. Let's talk about that with Andy Kalu next right here on Texans All Access. Yes, sir. Welcome back to a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your 2-2 two and two Houston Texans. First time the Texans have been 500 since 2019. How about that? I don't even want to give you the stat that I gave Mark Vandermeer this morning, but after four games, being two and two feels kind of nice. Of course, we wanted to talk to our good pal. Indy Kalu does our preseason TV broadcast like a champ and covers the Texans with Texans OG podcast. And we love having Indy on the air. And of course, we had to get his thoughts right out the chute. What did ND think about this weekend and this game against the Steelers? I'll tell you what, that was a special day, especially to have so many former Texan players come back for obviously all the great events, but then to cap it off and finish it with a dominant performance from one of our very own. I mean, we look at D'Amico as not uh, just another coach, but like we look at him like, man, that's one of our guys. And for 
that team to perform the way they did in front of so many of his former teammates, it was just a special day. Special weekend, Indy, actually. Andy, we're going to start. Obviously, we can start a lot of different places, but I want to start with you because you obviously played the position. You played in the trenches, and that felt like – as much as we talk about CJ and Nico and all the all the flyboys outside, that felt like it was a game where the Texans dominated the trenches on both sides of the ball. Is that the way you saw it? What did you see from the in, in, from the interior uh, on both sides yesterday? No, exactly. When you, when you looked at the trenches, especially on the offensive side, all the question marks, and then you know that they were going against uh, Highsmith and TJ Wyden. I don't believe they gave up a sack. I didn't check the final stats, but – I don't believe they gave mm-hmm. up a, uh, a sack. And then on the other side, uh, Jonathan Grenard. I mean, this guy, we've always been saying if he can stay healthy, we've already seen what he could do uh, three years ago when he was healthy. And I believe he had like eight sacks. And now uh, to see him produce and play in a, you know, in a way where he, he can be that guy along with Will Anderson, it's just exciting. Jerry Hughes comes in and, you know, gives you what he's supposed to do at his age. It, it was just very exciting to, to see the trenches and see the production and not just from the stars that we know about. You, you know, we expect Will Anderson now to put up numbers. We expect certain guys, but for Jonathan Grenard to be playing as consistent and productive as he's been early in the season, is just fun to watch. You know, and D, a lot of people thought, hmm, interesting when C.J. Stroud was named one of the captains of this team. And after watching him play and listening to him in these press conferences, there is no question that he is a captain and a leader on this team. I know there are many, but what do you think of what you've seen so far from him, not only on the field, but off the field, what we know about and the way he handles himself? You know, it is funny. When you see a guy like that, and we said the same thing about D'Amico, we say this guy's been here before. You know, like whether, and I don't believe in past life, but, you know, <laughs> you kind of think it just because to be so young, and that mm-hmm. mature and that much of a natural leader. And I keep going back to uh, not just the great stats, not the 306 yards of, of passing, the two touchdowns, zero interceptions, but I'm always watching C.J. Stroud. Like, what does he do after a bad play, after a negative play? And I brought this up last week, and I saw it again yesterday, where a receiver had a dropped pass, a pass that he should have caught. It would have extended the series. And the first person to dap him up, the first person to shake his hand is C.J. Stroud. It's just, it's amazing to see someone that young have those leadership qualities, and it's just genuine. It doesn't, it doesn't look like, oh, the camera's on me. Let me uh, show people that I'm a leader. That's just who he is. We've all interviewed him. That's how he carries himself. And I have to keep going back and look at his bio. I'm like, am I sure he's 21? Because this dude's acting like he's 31 the way he leads the team out there. It, 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 I don't know if it's too early, but it it feels like they found their guy. It feels like they found their quarterback. I always like to wait until a season and a half because we've seen guys, the RG3s of the world, where they have a, you know, NFL rookie of the year type season and then everything uh, collapses. And we've also seen guys where Josh Allen, things don't start off too quickly and they're talking about him being a bust and then he goes on to have a Hall of Fame type career. So with CJ, I'm optimistically, uh, you know, cautiously uh, optimistic, and I'm very excited. But I, I just want to say, okay, let me give myself at least another four or five games. But it, it, it's fun to watch. Andy, you've played on many teams before. And just walking in that locker room, I feel like the confidence is oozing out of those guys now. Like they know what they can do. So I'm asking kind of a tricky question, but I think it one that maybe is valid for this team. 
when you have that confidence, how much is that worth to you as a team as you go in each and every Sunday? It is priceless. I mean, when you go into each game expecting to win, it, you know, this is the NFL. So they're going into each game knowing that they, they can win. They're, but there's a difference between going out there and knowing you can win and expecting to win. And the difference isn't just on Sunday. It's on the preparation throughout the week. So when you put together victories like the Texans have done, when you have that confidence, when you have that coaching staff uh, that's doing such a great job with the players, now they're preparing from Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, expecting to win. And that just changes the outcome. It changes the way you prepare. It changes your outlook. Guys like Nico Collins, after having a huge game like that, he's still going to spend time in the hot tub, in the cold tub, getting the extra stretches in because they're expecting to win where when you're playing on a team, and I've been on it, where you're like, okay, well, if I give him my all and if everything goes our right, our way and the ball bounces our way, then, then maybe we could just pull it off. You tend not to prepare with the same amount of detail uh, mm-hmm. with the same amount of intensity as you do when you go into every game expecting to win. That's a great thing you just said. And mm-hmm. I got to say that, you know, even doing what we do, doing what I do, D'Amico wants, I mean, D'Amico makes me want to be better, right? Yep. He's yeah. one of those guys. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what you want. You want a coach, you want leadership that makes you want to perform better, whatever you do in life. I think he's inspiring people. I don't want to get too deep into that right now, but We'll see where it goes from here because you mentioned it. When you get a taste for it, you want more. You just don't want to see them be satisfied 30-6. to six, You beat the Steelers. A lot of people are going to start talking about this team now, talking about these young players, Andy. And they are young. I mean, they're doing this with rookies a lot of the way. So tell me about that part of it. When they're that young and they're in the league for the first time in this very long season, you've played four games. You've got 13 games remaining. That's more than a full college season. Yeah, when they're that young and they're buying in, we keep talking about setting the culture. This is how you truly set the culture. You know, when you have a Tank Dell who in his rookie year is experiencing what he's experiencing under this coaching staff, he's he's going to start to be a part of that culture that they're starting to set. When you have a John Mechie, Nico Collins, even though he's been here before, he's been here for a while, but he hasn't really produced like this. You know, when you have these young guys that are experiencing this and they're buying into – what the coaches are saying, because like you said, these are young guys. When you look at them on paper, people are going to kind of give this team a pass not to not to accomplish much this season. But if those are the guys that accomplish, Henry Toto, you're a fifth round pick, but you did what I was trying to coach you up to do. If you know that's coming from D'Amico and the defensive coaches, and that's why you're having success as a starter, as a fifth round pick. Like I was a fifth round pick, and my goal was just to make the team. And Toto is like going on to say, "Hey, I'm trying to make All Pro this year because he's buying into what they're saying." When you have more young guys buying into it the whole culture that we talk about and the culture setting that we all dream that is going in the right way that's when it starts to go the way it's supposed to the way the coaches want it to go because there's some old guys on here look Jerry Hughes he's a great player he's a great leader to have and he fits the system he fits the culture but you're not going to change his mindset you're not going to create uh, him to be a part of that culture. He's already in, so he was a nice piece to plug into it. That's the point I'm making, but with these young guys that are experiencing success, they're really buying into what the coaches are saying. Yeah, no doubt. Indy, it's Atlanta next week, so it's Bijan Robinson, and I don't want to ask you about Bijan, but 
Watching Bijan the last few weeks in a Texas, we know the one thing he can do is he can embarrass people just by making one move. Who was that person that you faced when you were when you were playing that you're like, you know what? I hate playing this guy because I, I there's a possibility I could end up on Sports Center on a highlight reel forever because this guy could shake me, he could run me over. Who was that one guy that you faced that you're like, man, this guy, ugh, I don't know that I want to face this guy this week. You know what? That's a great question. It's not so much that there was that guy that you were embarrassed you were going to end up on Sports Center because as a D lineman, you're not really in space against those guys. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying you don't miss tackles, but it doesn't look as bad uh, when you're playing up front, when you're the front four in, in the front seven. But there is a, a guy that every time we played him, I felt myself taping up just a little tighter. You know, I felt myself putting my shoulder straps on a little tighter. And that was Barber, Marion Barber out of Dallas. Oh, Man, yeah. That dude, I felt like he was very underrated. But the players, especially the defensive players who played against him, you knew that you were going to be bruised up after trying to hit him for four quarters. And you know who he reminds me of? Damian Pierce, <laughs> like that, he, he was Damian Pierce before Damian Pierce. I'm just a physical runner, a guy that had a linebacker mentality. And every time we played the Cowboys and Barber was back there, I was like, yep, yeah, I got to, you know, put the tape on a little tighter and put that chin strap on, uh, on both. You know how, remember John, how you have uh, two buttons and sometimes you yep. want to look cool and you only <laughs> let one, you let one hang down. <laughs> like when you <laughs> played against Barber, yeah, you, you buckled up both of them. <laughs> both of them. Absolutely. Yeah. That was a, a great sign yep. to see Pierce really get going yesterday. Yeah, and you know, there's more, you know, they're going to work on that. Andy, what about the weekend legends homecoming presented by Ford? It was awesome. Watt going into the ring of honor, but seeing everybody show up was really cool. Oh, it, it was awesome. And, and I'm not uh, pandering to the McNairs, but for them to make that happen, it, it was just cool just for them to really go out and show how much they appreciate the former players. Like, I had a chance to talk to Cal McNair, and I let him know, like, hey, I played for the Redskins, I played for the Eagles, but the way y'all are doing this is right. And after I told him that, you know what he said? He said, what can we do to make it better? And I said, no, I'm telling you, like, this is awesome. Like, <laughs> and he's already trying to make it better. And what's cool about that, like, look, they call us legends, ambassadors. We're has-beens. You know, we're former players. There's, They don't have to do this. Like, if they didn't invite 90 of us back just to hang out, uh, they still would have won the game. We still would be excited about what the Texans are doing. So just for them to show their appreciation for the former players and then to be able to see the guys, I mean, guys that I haven't seen in years uh, yeah. and be able to just, you know, reminisce and, hey, we were the first team not to have a losing season. You know, that, that was our claim yeah. to fame, but, you know, it meant a lot to us and it was just fun to talk about. But to, then, then to cap it off, with this victory from one of our very own being the head coach, it was just a special, special weekend. So, Andy, how long does it take before you start uh, Before you start getting into, hey, man, you remember that play you made? How long does it take when you, hey, man, how's your family? How are you doing? How long does it take before guys start getting back into the mode of, hey, you remember that play you made in this game? Or, hey, you remember when we did this together? When did, how long does it take before you get into that mode? Oh, it, it's right after the uh, good to see you. Then you get right into it. Like as soon as you see somebody and you just roll right into the stories, like after you hug and it just depends who it is, because a lot of us, 
stay in contact. But then we have our brothers like CC Brown. Uh, I haven't mm-hmm. seen him in years. And that look, I don't know what the fans thought about him, but that was a dude that would take your head off. So the players just had so much respect for him. So as soon as you see him, you give him a hug, and then you just start talking about, uh, you, you know, plays and reminisce. And a lot of times, John, as you know this because you played, it's not even – a lot of the stories aren't even games. It's like remember right. at that practice when you right. know, this happened or – uh, yeah. During training cab when that that happened, so no, we get right into it, and the wives get bored. They kind of sit off in the corner <laughs> and kind of and roll their eyes because, of course, we're going to exaggerate on these stories. It's a reunion. It's, I always say, don't bring the significant other to a reunion. It's it's not going to be fun for them. Listen, here's the truth: our wives think all of us are idiots. Yeah, they think all of us <laughs> are idiots. Right. They they do. They're like. They talk about football all the time. Yeah, they think we're all idiots. They married us and they love us, but they, they, they're like, they're idiots. Uh, yes, this is very true. Uh, my wife would love for John Lewis Harris Jr., that's me, uh, to be way more cultured than I am to appreciate art. I do appreciate art, but, you know, if you want me to really do anything and it falls in football season, it's not going to happen. And my wife knows that. Uh, we're all idiots, man. It's just the way that it goes. And we just accept it and move on, I think. My wife still loves me, and they all still love us. That's okay. Uh, but that's facts, total facts. They think we're idiots, and that's okay. We're all right because we've got these radio shows where we can talk ball, and that gives us the opportunity to talk to John McClain. And that's next right here on Texans All Access. we got one final segment of this Monday edition of Texans All Access. We talked to our buddy Andre Warren and Clue, and we're, we have no shortage of friends, especially John McClain. So we brought the general on to get his thoughts about what happened on Sunday at NRG Stadium. General, what were your thoughts on what you saw yesterday at NRG Stadium? It was one of the best regular season performances I've ever seen considering the circumstances. New head coach, new coordinators, and they just dominated the Steelers. 225 yards, no touchdowns. it, it's just, I was amazed. I picked the Texans to lose by three. They blow them out. You know, that's, uh, you look at what they've done these last two games, and it's obvious. The Texans have outstanding coaching, and they have players who believe the message that the coaches are preaching on both sides of the ball in special teams. And yeah, it's not a great Pittsburgh team, but to keep. T.J. Watt with one quarterback hit, no sacks, and Alex Highsmith, no sacks. That offensive line deserves so much praise. All the guys deserve praise for protecting Stroud, and Stroud does a great job of getting rid of the ball. I know the Steeler fans left that stadium shaking their heads at how their team just got obliterated. Now they play four consecutive games against NFC South teams. All are winnable. It's uh, Texans are 2-2 in a four-way tie in the AFC South, and they ran the ball well for the first time. It was just a thorough butt-whipping. General, how have your expectations changed for this team from what they were going into the season, where they are now after four games? How have your expectations changed? John, it's you know it's four games. I don't talk, start talking about winning the division, although right now they beat Jacksonville like a drum. Jacksonville responded by pounding the Falcons, and the Colts losing overtime. It looks like, and the Titans bounce back big big time 
to pulverize the Bengals. So right now it looks like anytime any team's capable of winning it, Stroud is just getting more and more well-deserved praise around the NFL. I read a great analysis last night of the three rookie quarterbacks and where they stand. And it was, it was right on. And it was about one of the national uh, guys. And yeah. And then the way, my goodness, the way Nico Collins has emerged as a big time playmaker, average 24 yards a catch yesterday. People got to take notice about him. Bobby Slowick did an outstanding job calling plays, keeping the Steelers off balance with the run, going outside, end arounds to Tank Dell. And then D'Amico and Matt Burke, the defensive coordinator, they they had another outstanding game plan in which the offense was just totally smothered. And the better they do, the more confidence the players have in what they're preaching. The players, they you know they talk among themselves. These coaches know what they're doing, so it's not just about D'Amico inspiring his players with speeches. It's about the game plans, the adjustments, maximizing your strengths, minimizing your weaknesses, and attacking the opponents in a way to expose their weaknesses. And these last two games have been so impressive. I picked them to be to win six games, double last year's win total, and on our Utopia Football podcast last night, Sean Pendergast threw out the numbers 8, 9, or maybe 10. He didn't predict it, but we were talking about how well they're playing and the way the division is shaping up right now. Injuries can change everything, of course, but to overcome the injuries in the offensive line, getting Laramie Tunsil and Titus Howard back and maybe Juice Scruggs, I'm eager to see is Juice Krug going to start at center? Is Jared Patterson going to move to left guard? Patterson was the guard in camp in preseason and early in the season, so I'm guessing he's played really well at center. It's amazing the way a rookie quarterback has not had one bad snap with two rookie centers. And uh, so I can't wait to see how the offensive line plays out at center and left guard when they get their guys back. Rookies all over the place. Three in the front seven of the defense. My goodness. And they do that to Pittsburgh. Season low in yards and points for the Steelers as the Texans go to two and two. General, you mentioned the division. Well, Tennessee is as good as any team in the division. They're all two and two. So let's just start there. But they put together a performance yesterday against the Bengals, who I know are hurting in all sorts of ways. But Derrick Henry was back to being Derrick Henry, 122. He also threw a touchdown pass. Tannehill did throw a pick, but. He does enough. He does enough. As long as Henry's going like that, looks like they can win a lot of football games because they have a good defense. Um, they do. They do a great job of shutting down the run. Vrabel always makes sure they're one of the best in the league against run. But you're right. If Derrick Henry is not running well, that takes away the play-action game. And in their two losses, they've he's been shut down, and Ryan Tannehill has been terrible. So they're on a roller coaster with that offense. They got a line that's been totally rebuilt. Uh, they've got a defense that that will can keep them in games. And I don't know if so much of them or Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's calf injury obviously affects him. For them to be zero and three right now, mm. that is. If you look around the NFL at everything going on, I think 
nothing is more surprising than than the Bengals' performance. Have they won a game yet? They won one, a Monday night game against the beat up Rams, and they're one and three. But your Texans are two and two. And a big thanks to John McClain for joining us, to Indy Clue, to Andre Ware, to Mark Vandermeer, to everybody at Sports Radio 610 for making this possible. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And as always, go Texans.